0: You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to listen and talk. Ready to be inspired, informed, motivated, and recharged on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Every day is a stellar day on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Let's get this party started. Cynthia will be back to kick it all off after this break.
1: You'll find all
0: apathy violence and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country you can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting be the star you are charity a 501c3 that empowers women families and youth through improved literacy positive media and tools for living visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world everyone counts that web address again is www.bethestarur.org be the star you are. .org. Listen. listen listen the world is talking
2: World Talk Radio Studio A
0: That's one 613 1612 or send an email to info at org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star, you are. Light up the flame. Tell
1: us a positive living news here, here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Welcome, power partners, to radio's finest program of positive book talk. Star style, be the star you are. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and I'm Heather Whitney, and we are your personal growth success coaches here on the airwaves with you. And we want to wish you a very, very happy, happy New Year. So get ready to pump your energy, love, learn, laugh, listen, and live with your fantastic miracles every day. Because we are a show about following your heart, doing what you love. We call it champagne for the spirit. Do you watch a lot of TV? Are you happy or depressed? You're going to enjoy our T for Two segment when we discuss happiness and the effects of TV when Heather gives us the lowdown on that in our T for Two segment. Then coming up in segment two, we're going to showcase the incredible Anna Weber, who is back to help us jumpstart our seconds, our minutes, our hours, and our days with her new book, Your 48-Hour Day. And in our third segment, best-selling author and psychologist, Eldon Taylor brings us the science of thinking and believing with his illuminative new book, Choices and Illusions. So our purpose in providing you this show is always to communicate that you are the star of your own performance. You are the writer, the producer, the director. And we have three rules. Heather, would you give them to the audience? (laughs) Most definitely.
3: We want you to smile, have fun, and be willing to take that chance to be wild and crazy.
1: And of course we want you to read all these great books that we bring to you every single week. As an author, I've got four bestsellers, Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul, Be the Star You Are, Business is Show Business, and Miracle Moments. And the new book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, will be at the publisher soon. You'll be able to pre-order at the website. Star-style.com. Our motto is to be a leader, you must be a reader. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by the Carmony Collection for handmade handbags and recyclable canvases. Visit CarmonyCollection.com. That's Carmody with a K, Collection with a K. And you know, today is a miracle, Heather. Every day is a miracle. <laughs> Ralph Walder Emerson, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. So we want you all to be the stars you are, to be yourself. Well, studies are fun, aren't they? They give us all sorts of hard and steady facts to obsess about, to think about, to wonder about. And according to a brand-new study, happy people watch less television than unhappy people, and they spend more time socializing, attending church services, And reading. So, our question to you is Are you happy? And what is it that happy people don't do? Well, Heather has the rest of the story.
3: Exactly. What you're saying is how happy people seem to spend their time socializing, you know, as you said, going to church, reading newspapers, magazines, books, to be a reader, must be a leader, (laughs) or to be a leader, must be a reader. And they don't spend a lot of time watching TV, as this new study finds. That's what unhappy people do. And although people who describe themselves as happy and enjoying watching television, it turns out to to be the single activity is less and unhappy people are turning into the TV more. So while most large studies are on happiness focused on the demographic characteristics, of happy people, and they looked at their marital, the, marital status, and their age and economic situation, and the study relied primarily on 45,000 people um, collected over the past 35 years, and this was done by the University of Chicago, and just kind of one of these general studies, because as we say, these general studies always fuel our T for two topics, but what they did, you know, is looking at this is finding out what people's activities were and rating how they feel, you know, after they do a certain activity, how they feel, that kind of thing. And they looked at eight to ten activities that people engage in. And for each one, the people who did um, activities more, such as, you know, visiting others, going to church, uh, just basically socializing, getting out there, being active, TV was one of the activities that showed a negative relationship, and unhappy people did it more, and happy people did it less.
1: Well, you and, know, I found it really interesting when you suggested doing a show about this because even though I'm in the entertainment business and I do television shows and I'm in the movie Milk and, you know, I all that, as well as you, I mean, you're, you're an actor as well, is I don't watch television. And I tend to watch movies but give I don't watch the reality shows. I don't I don't even know what's on television. And I think I'm like one of the happiest people I know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're also one of the busiest people I know, and that's a really big contributor with this. It says the major predictor of how much television someone watched is based on if they um, have an occupation, if they have work, or if it's a younger demographic, if they have school. So people, you know, and especially right now in this big economic crunch where there's a lot of depression, a lot of people are losing jobs, a lot of people are turning into TV. And so that's... You know, interesting, you saying you don't watch a lot of TV because you're always going. You know, you get up when the sun comes up and you're still going. You know, you're burning the midnight candle. That's like an indicator of people who aren't watching a lot of TV because they're constantly stimulated. They're very busy. And so, you know, that's something it's almost kind of like eating. People turn to it, you know, out of boredom or, you know, you have no one to hang out with, so you watch TV. And a lot of times, you know, even if there's something you're enjoying watching, you know, there's a lot of other things you long to be doing, and it's just kind of a time filler. Um, You know, it's very much different when we seek out a movie. Usually we have to rent it or you get it with someone and you have to find a specialized time. It becomes more of an activity and more of a socialized event. Um, than just something that's on TV. And I have to say, you know, just recently, this past week, we spent New Year's up in the mountains. I was just going to bring that up, and I want you to talk about it. Yeah. What a fun was, time that was. Which was so great is that we went up to this cabin with a big group of people, and though, you know, we had brought up some board games, you totally thought, oh, we were going to watch the ball drop for midnight you know, for New Year's, all this stuff. And it turns out we'd even brought DVDs because we thought, oh, we'll bring some funny DVDs to watch after hitting the slope turns out there was no T V so there was no V C R and at first there's kind of that feeling of, oh gosh, you know, some of the people we didn't know it might be uncomfortable. But by there not being, you know, this kind of crutch there so that to have people together is it really caused people to socialize. It I mean we were playing poker and board games. I know
1: I did so well at poker I'd never played in my life. And you know, we played for like six hours, I had the I mean, maybe it was the no fear. But, you know, that's such a great example because we played, um, what was it you played? We played cranium. We had a contest of a ping pong, a ping pong charades tournament. Because and- there are anywhere between 18 and 25 people at all times. We did, uh, what was the other thing? Charades. Oh, yeah, we played charades. We just yeah, had talking. We all cooked together. And, of course, you know, we snowmobiled, we went skiing, we snowshoed, we walked. It made us want to go out. a wonderful way. And then people also brought their books and read books. Uh, some people worked on, you know, did some computer things. But it was amazing to spend five days and never once have, have the radio or even uh, or television or a movie or anything.
3: Yeah, and it's surprising, too, because you think that, That would be such a big thing that people do, but really, you know, it's just kind of something we don't, and it makes us more unsocial. You know, sometimes we fall asleep and we nap during it. So without that being there, it made everyone so much social, more likely, you know, to hang out. It wasn't that they could go off and, you know, kind of disillusion themselves with the TV. Everyone had to, you know, we had to be our own entertainment, and it was really fun. And, you know, I just know it's something something, um, growing up I had a friend who, their house, they had a TV, but it only could play movies in it. And so they were less likely to watch, you know, they never watched TV. And how one, you know, one they we were so involved more in their books, but that gave them, they had nothing really there that was keeping them at home. Um Housewives, you know, they had to watch a show or something. So it really makes you more social. And I just think back, you know, when you guys were growing up, TV was not this centralized thing. Not very many people had them. As in nowadays, you know, there's three TVs in every one in every room, that kind of situation. But it wasn't like that before. It was much more... Um, of a luxury to have a TV and not something we take for granted I, and we think we overuse and it's really, you know, disconnecting us from people. And
1: so I, I agree and I think the same thing is happening a lot. As much as I love the Internet and I love the computer and I couldn't live, you know, being a writer or a coach or anything without the Internet, uh, but I think we are getting more disconnected, which is making us more isolated, which makes people more unhappy and, Just I know in my growing up years, as you said, we didn't really have much. We didn't have television. So we spent a lot of time interacting as a family and putting on plays, which may be attributed to the fact of wanting to become an actor. And when you were young, you know, we had family game nights, and Mm -hmm. so the television wasn't on. So the whole idea of happiness, I, I do think, is when you're interacting with other people and making other people smile, that makes you smile as well.
3: Yeah, and something that I, you know, it's kind of funny. Even when we did turn on the TV this past couple of weeks, we're up there. What the horrible things that were on TV. It seems that now, you know, especially with all the stuff with the economy, is it's a lot uh, cheaper, and the entertainment industry to make um, reality shows because they don't have to pay a cast. You know, there aren't people demanding certain amounts. For most of the part, for these reality shows, they're not. These people aren't getting paid at all. In fact, they sign waivers, almost giving away their lives. Um, you know, it's something could, a career could come from these shows, but a lot of times, you know, there's some kind of gimmick. They're on the show competing for love or, you know, to win something in the end, but they're not getting paid to be there. And so that's really helping the entertainment industry cost-wise. But the shows, the quality of shows that are out there, I mean, it was, what we watched, though, it was entertaining in the fact
1: in that... In fact, that's, that's, that's going to be a chapter in the book. Yeah, of, it just, it it was,
3: you couldn't believe, it was... You know, that sense of this is reality, of, you know, this is not real, this is not reality, these situations, you know, it's real Put people put in unreal situations for a lot of these things. And, you know, watching it it, it, it it was just kind of made you feel bad about society, that there was people out here, and especially as a woman, some of the shows we were watching just seemed really demoralizing and really, you know, these girls... That, you know, it's something a lot of people don't understand with reality shows is that there's so much post production that it's cut and edited so that, you know, one person is the nice girl and one's the mean one and one's the slutty one, all these certain things, but it creates this character for an entertainment value. And you're watching this and you're judging it and. Just seeing that, I just couldn't believe these people, you know, even knowing that things can be edited a certain way, could be on this show, you know, portraying themselves like that. I felt, you know, I got depressed watching it thinking, oh,
1: God, it's so sad. You, know? you don't know what's going to happen in years to come, and so that is a sad thing. And that's one of the reasons of having Be the Story You Are charity is We're trying to get people to read more, to increase literacy, to read these great books from the authors that we showcase on the show so that they can empower their life and be encouraged and inspired and motivated, not be watching television and feel like, you know, life is at a loss. Well, Heather, give out the website most so that people can get more information.
3: Most definitely. There's still time. If you want to write in one of the chapters, go to be org. Uh, uh com forward slash Carmony Clutches both with a K
1: and you can also go to star-style.com if you want to get more information on different things that are going on but what Heather and I really want to encourage you to do is to make sure to read more books to spend time being happy and to really concentrate on giving back to society because both of us have found out that the more we give, the more you give, and the more that you help people be the best that they can be, the better your life becomes. And that's what makes us happy, right, Heather? (laughs) Exactly. Well, stay with us. I'll be back in a minute with Anna Weber and her Time Solutions and talk about making you happy. This woman has it all to help all of us be happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney, And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in a bit with Anna Weber. Stay tuned.
4: This business of show business is calling out to...
0: You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to listen and talk.
5: Hi, my name is Crystal Goodfellow, and I am a volunteer with Be The Star UR Charity. I'm here today to ask you to consider making a contribution to this worthwhile organization that encourages and empowers families and youth at risk by providing literacy and positive programming. Please visit the website at www.bethestarur.org or call the offices at 877-944-STAR. Since 1999, Be The Star You Are has served more than 20,000 individuals and families and donated more than $850,000 in resources to improve lives. Be The Star You Are needs your support. You can donate your vehicle, buy our signature books, or make a contribution online. Everything counts, especially you. www.bethestarur.org or 877944star thanks for helping the kids
0: Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Listen. Listen. Are you ready? The world is talking. Are you
2: ready? World Talk Radio, Studio A.
0: That's one 613 1612 or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star, you are, light up the well, you
5: are a star, and
1: we are glad that you are with us. Thank you for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are with me, Cynthia Bryan. Anna Weber says it's about time, and I'll tell you, she should know. She is a relationship expert who has studied the effects of time management on both our personal and business lives. Anna lives life at full throttle while enjoying every minute, always with a smile on her face. Talk about a happy person. Anna is the one. The book we're going to discuss today is your 48-hour day. Anna Weber is back. Hello, Anna, and thanks for being here.
6: Well, hello, and Happy New Year to you.
1: Happy New Year, and what miracles happen. You are just the best. I'm I'm so glad that you're here. Now, it is true that everyone thinks, Anna, that time is our enemy, but the reality is we all have the exact number of seconds, minutes, hours in every day, 1,440 minutes each day in each 24-hour section so what is it, what do you say is the first step in maximizing our time so that we can live happier, healthier, more productive lives?
6: Well, most importantly, we have to appreciate time. We have to build a relationship of gratitude with time and understand that that's the gift of
1: time is the gift of life. Yes, that's exactly right. And because what you say, you say that in having This book, which is the world's simplest time solution guide, is the more gratitude we have in life, the more we're going to have to be grateful for. So to create this solution, it really is easy. You have divided your book into four parts. One is to show you how to stop losing time. The second part shows you how to make the most of the time that you have every day. Part three offers some practical and helpful tips to accomplish the most, in the least amount of time, and then part four is actually the worksheets that you've developed. So why don't we start with part one in how do how can we stop losing time? People waste so much time, Anna.
6: Well, that's so true. Well, the most importantly is the, all those time thieves that's stealing our time away, and when we actually apply and use those eight magical A-letter formulas in this book. Uh, actually, that's in Chapter 3. And they are acknowledge, analyze, apply, accept, address, admire, absorb, and allow. When you are applying, and those worksheets at the, be- at the back of the book are actually wonderful because they- you're really mastering time and you're really finding the results, how you're benefiting from shifting your thinking and practicing those formulas and reducing the time that you get consumed and absorbed by those time teeth.
1: Well, you know what I see with the worksheets, and then we'll talk about that, your formula that you've developed, Mm -hmm, is it's mm -hmm. very much like when you're trying to find out how much you eat in a day, and we Mm -hmm. always say, oh, gosh, I've had nothing. But when you start (laughs) writing it down, you see. And that's what happens when you write down what's happening with your time thieves, you can actually see where you are losing time by, you know, standing in line to get a cup of coffee or or the time that you waste talking on the phone about nothing or being on hold or whatever. And it's really important that we portion off our weeks by utilizing these really beneficial worksheets.
6: Exactly, and most importantly, just like uh, I wanted to mention something, because this week we had a, a very deep and sincere, emotional show that Oprah actually discussed her weight situation, and uh, most importantly, uh, what's been addressed and recognized in the show and all over basically or all over the world and all over us is that those time thieves Uh, like relationships, health, fighting our nature, multitasking, perfectionism, worry, anger, fear, blame and judgment, jealousy unproductive habits, and wasting, of course, the time, as you mentioned. Those are the ones that drain us, and therefore, when we give in to those, we manifest our behavior and our lifestyle in a fashion that's off balance, and we lose moderation. And then, of course, we become much more unhappier people in our lives.
1: Yes. So, you know, we were talking about happiness when we first started. Mm-hmm. And when we get control of our time, We actually bring more happiness into our lives because we are now being and doing optimum experiences. Would you say that would be correct?
6: Yes, actually, absolutely. I agree with you. And and again, when we utilize time and we shift our thinking in much more of a positive way and not... You know, losing the time to everything else that is so not only consuming us, but it's actually depleting, uh, pretty much, you know, it's aging us, depleting our, our energy. Then what's, what's really happening is that we find that there is more time to do the things we want to do, the things that we enjoy to do. And again, the shifting goes back and forth. So if we do more things that we like to enjoy to do, we have more free time,
1: we actually become even better at work. We are accomplishing much more at work. Passion passion is absolutely crucial to live a life of joy and and, uh, purpose. And so when we find our passion, we really do find our life, And when we find this passion, we tend not to to waste as much time as we did before we knew what our mission was. Talk to us a little bit about passion and how, because you're such a passionate woman.
6: (laughs) Well, I, I do believe that the passion seed is what's really motivating us to become more driven and more excited about what we do. But most importantly, passion is actually finding the joy in doing something for someone else And as much as we can, depleting that power of the ego, that does not mean that we're not determined, that does not mean that we're not motivated. What it actually means is that we truly become genuine about developing a certain purpose and a certain goal in life. And the more the more we become involved in it and the more people we get in our group, the more passionate we become. It's, it's some kind of a special domino effect. And, again, the way we wake up in the morning and say, thank you for this new day, I immediately am passionate about the day. Oh, well, the day can bring this or can bring that. It doesn't matter. I'm ready for my day. I'm grateful for my time.
1: See, I I love that because I always say to people, we can either say, oh, God, it's morning, or, oh, Mm -hmm. God, it's morning. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the way that you feel, Mm -hmm. the passion you Mm -hmm. bring into your voice and into your actions is what's Mm -hmm. going to determine the type of day that you have. And, you know, one thing that you make very clear in your book... And the name of the book is Your 48-Hour Day. We are talking to Anna Weber. You've heard her before here on Star Sale. Be The Star You Are. She is an expert on these. And as you can tell, she's very passionate. I've had people say to me, but I don't know how to find my passion. I don't know what what the passion is. But everyone has passion somewhere, and we can find it, can't we, uh, Anna?
6: Absolutely. Actually, I'm also furnishing some tools and a short little program, a 90-day program here that it can help you how to find your own individual, original passion. And, and, and again, we're, we're so unique, all of us. And when we merge that passion with our skills, with our experiences, with our talents, uh, we merge them together, it becomes such an amazing package. Our, we get so much more life out of life. So, and, and, the, and i and I think that's priceless
1: it is priceless, and I think that is the secret is that we we absolutely mm-hmm. have to define what it is that purpose is uh, for us, whether it's going to be in helping other people or volunteering or mm-hmm. traveling or starting our own business. But the thing about it is is when you find what you love, you will love what you do, and then we mm-hmm. don't work another day in our life. And I have always found when I'm really excited about something, the time passes quickly when you are passionate.
5: And it's, a, it's
1: a good it's a good way of passing quickly. It's not like, oh, I'm bored. I can't even imagine the name bored. Now, <laughs> let's, let's <laughs> yes, and one more thing, you neither. More You're I always going and, and creating <laughs> new things. Priorities. Setting yes, priorities I, is crucial if we are going to stop the time thieves. Exactly. What do you to set well, a priority.
6: One more thing I wanted to add that's quite important. When we become passionate, we stop existing. We start living. Ah. Because it develops this enthusiasm. And people so often ask me, What are you hiring? What are you doing? How many cups of coffee did you have today? Well, I had actually none. I'm just really delighted to be one. Contributor in this world to to make something better, to help someone, and also shifting that I am not so consumed and so busy with all that has to do with me, but I have make the time for others and look around me and get out of the box and make things happen. And that now, is take know,
1: action. That idea of making things happen is absolutely. So important because we can be one of those people that watch things that happen or we can actually create our futures Mm -hmm. and predict it by making it happen. And that's what happens when you have passion. You don't sit around and wait Mm -hmm. for the door to knock. You actually get out there and create your own destiny, creating your own happiness. And this is what I love about your book, Your 48-Hour Day. You Mm -hmm. give the tools and the information on how every single person – can eliminate their stress, they can become more joyful, they can become creative and live each day with this precious gift of passion, and therefore they stop the time fees. Exactly,
6: exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and what's so, so most beautifully about it is that, again, you live a better personal life your life is much more complete and fulfilled. You accomplish more at work. You create, especially in today's economy, you create much more You know, at, at, at your job and with your productivity. And overall, it's impacting all of us. It's that domino effect. Then we have more money. We have more time. We have more joy. We have just much more pleasure in life.
1: You know, you are talking about the economy, and it's just my feeling with the economy that all of us have to start changing the way we think and the way we talk and making it more positive and deciding that we're going to have a positive living year, a positive a positive new year, uh, the economy is going to be on the upswing. It's interesting how if other people start looking at it like that, mm-hmm. then the time actually mm-hmm. changes to mm-hmm. a positive time frame, and we will have more abundance in everything. So, so much of what you write about is also about changing and modifying our behavior to that of optimism and positivity.
6: Exactly. Our attitude was shifted around, and we cannot look at money as a source of of the most important tool in our lives and commodity. Let's look at time, because time we have. Even one who has nothing else has at least time,
1: and we can utilize that. Every person. It doesn't matter if you are Bill Gates or you're the king and you know the king and queen of a country, or you are the the street sweeper. We all only have twenty four hours a day, every single day, and how we maximize that and how we spend yeah. it is up to us. So, what you've done with your book, your forty eight hour day, is you are giving permission to the individual. To understand that we have the power. We have the power. And we can create happiness and abundance once we learn how to use our time wisely.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we do, we have a much more abundant life in all areas of our lives. And, and that's one thing that we cannot we cannot trade. Everyone is so worried about their stock and their 401K and the retirements and the real estate going down. But guess what? Time, you cannot trade in any fashion. Now think about it. That is the tool yes, to utilize you properly.
1: You cannot. You can't do anything. But you cannot trade that in for dollars and no. cents. Mm-hmm. But it does make sense to make sure Absolutely. that you use Absolutely. the solution of time to manage your time in a very proactive and positive way. And one of the things you talk about is prioritizing the -hmm. importance of different activities, whether that be looking at your emails or answering Mm -hmm. telephone calls, Mm -hmm. but to do things in a timely manner because when we let things go, procrastination is actually the enemy of time.
6: Absolutely, then we get so overwhelmed that we lose total control and we become so much less focused and our accomplishments are so much, you know, less productive. But when we understand it with simple common sense, and again, we all have to live our original lives. And when we use that common sense and understand what is priority today, what is the most important thing for today, what is the most important thing for right now, this very hour, that is, that shifting will create such an amazing success. And when we feel much more successful, then of course we're more confident, we excel a whole different, you know, breath out there, and it comes back to us. You smile to someone; someone inevitably must smile back to you. They will not frown when you're giving them that big smile on your face.
1: Exactly, because that's a gift. When you smile at someone, it's like a mirror, and it smiles back. It, but how many of us don't even take the time to offer a smile? <laughs> to it's actually free, you know. Free. <laughs> it cost you yeah. more.
6: It, yeah,
1: that's the thing about it. It's totally free. So, these kind of things, and they give a great residual. (laughs) That's what I love about it. Even if I'm having, you know, I I (laughs) wake up and everything seems to be going wrong. If I put a smile on my face and I fake it till I make it, the greatest Mm -hmm. thing about that is Mm -hmm. I walk down the street, I smile at somebody, they smile back to me. Pretty soon, I'm having a super day. And I feel that my time has been time well spent in putting
6: that. I tell I tell the people working for me and reporting to me on Mondays when they come in with this frown on their faces and so unhappy, oh, it's not the weekend is over. I said, please go back to your car and start the day all over again. This is not Monday. This is a fun day. I want to see that big smile and that big start-off line just like, you know, for the Olympics and let's go for it and let's be winners for the week. And they said, okay, we'll do it.
1: And you know what Anna, I can hear the laughter and the smile in your voice as you're talking and what a great tip that is, is. If you're having a bad day, start the day over and this time put the smile on your face. Well, Anna, let's give out your website so that people can go to it and you you'll see that Anna coaches, she's got a new program coming up for you. The name of her book is Your 48-Hour Day. It is the world's simplest time solution guide. Plenty of worksheets, lots of great things for you. Go to her website, and that's anna the dot com. Is that the website you want to give out, yes, Anna? Yes, that's the website. There is one more
6: uh, time uh, dash expertcom expert dot com. They're both uh, good websites to basically to log on and see what's all this about and get some more information. And of course, you can order the book also uh, via an eight hundred number toll free number eight eight eight. 416
1: 1088. Okay, well the toll free number again 888 416 1088. Website time-expert.com or Anna the relationship com. Order the books, get the information, sign up for a coaching session or for her new program that she has initiated. Anna, we want you back soon. We love this book. We love you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Same here. Love you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Anna Weber was the author. I'm going to be back in a minute with inner talk from Eldon Taylor's new book, it is called choices and illusions. How did I get where I am? How do I get where I want to be? We all want to know that for this positive living year. You're living to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. This be the star you are. Stay with us. We're gonna have some more. Out to me.
4: This business of show business has all I want to be dancing in Broadway show on the silver screen.
0: Everyone counts. That web address again is www.be thestarur.org. Be the star you are, are you living your dreams? Brian is your guide on the side www.cynthiabryan.com you can be the star you are
2: you're listening to world talk radio
0: That's one 613 1612 or send an email to info at org. Now back to Star Style, Be The Star You Are with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are.
1: We hope that you are having a positive living New Year and that's what we want to bring to you this entire year is lots of choices so that you don't have illusions Our next author is Eldon Taylor. His book is Choices and Illusions. And whether you're interested in the science of thinking and belief or how your mind works or how other people can control what you're thinking, everything you really wanted to know about finding peace and happiness is in this book, Choices and Illusions. Welcome, Eldon, to Be the Star You Are.
4: Well, thank you, and I'm very happy to be here. And well,
1: I am so delighted that you are here because I couldn't agree with you more when you talk about how so many motivational gurus suggest that success is all about money and power. Uh, we think we both agree that spirituality has to have something in there to provide the deeper meaning. So life is—it re- really is about using our talents to make the right choices, Let's talk about some of the, the concepts in your book, uh, which is choices and illusions, because you start off with that question, how did I get where I am and how do I get where I want to go? Tell us how you came up with this concept for this book and how, what we can all do to actually achieve what we want to achieve.
4: Well, life has been a wonderful teacher for me, Cynthia. Uh, I came up with the idea because I lived it. The bottom line was, along the way, I became aware that I was behaving in ways that I said I never would behave. I was doing things that I didn't understand why I did them. I found myself angry, uh, somewhat alienated. And I was a good guy. I was involved in law enforcement, criminalistics, running lie detection examinations, doing forensic hypnosis. I was successful. I had the big cars. I had a nice horse ranch. But my life sucked. And <clears throat> what I did is I just simply stopped and said to myself, okay, where are we and how do we get here? And, I mean, what is it that I want out of life? And at that point in my life, I became aware of several things. And that's why I wrote the book, Choices and Illusions. I don't believe most people actually do ever stop and assess where they are and how they got there. They just continue going on in some kind of an automatic way, doing same old, same old, if you will, making the same kinds of choices. In fact, the book opens up with a quote from uh, Krishnamurti. And that that quote sums it up in, in a very real sense for most people. The quote goes this way. If I know clearly what it is that I should do, then I'm not confused. A choice arises as a result of confusion.
1: And, you know, Einstein was the one that said, if we keep doing the same old thing over and over again and expecting a different result, it's a sign of insanity. And so (laughs) so, this is what, to me, your book, Choices and Illusions, is pointing out, is that we do have to stop and reevaluate. Because from the outside, as you said, you were so successful that everyone else thought you were on the right track. But when you took the time to look at what was going on in your inner life, you felt that you wanted to make some changes. And so you talk about the chicken and the eagle. Being someone who has raised chickens my whole life, I love that story because I've actually seen it happen, not with an eagle landing, but with other animals that were raised by chickens believing they were chickens. Do you mind just giving a brief synopsis of that story so yeah, that and that actually
4: the story typifies where, you know, most people find themselves if they really reflect. And and that's because of our enculturation process. In in the behavioral sciences we talk about imprinting and, and as a chicken farmer you know that if you place a young duckling with a chicken, uh Mother Han is going to adopt that duckling and that duckling is going to behave uh or be imprinted, if you will, as though it were a chicken. Uh, The story goes this way. You know, one day we have a male eagle, and he's flying over a chicken uh, coop, uh, a chicken yard, and he sees down in the chicken yard a beautiful female eagle. And she's just a-digging, and she's down in a hole, and she's really scratching out a big one for the rooster, and he can't believe what he sees. So he starts down to see what she's doing, and, of course, you know, look out, spots his shadow, makes the sound, and all the chickens run to the chicken house. Well, the male eagle waits, and he waits. Days pass until he finds a point where he can intercept the female eagle before she gets back into the chicken coop. Sure of that, he swoops down, cuts her off. All the other chickens retreat into the chicken house, and he has her cornered. There she stands, frightened and trembling, and he says, "What are you doing in this chicken yard? I mean, you're an eagle. What, what, I, I don't understand this. You're a beautiful eagle. You, you you belong high in the sky. I mean, you are dominance of the heavens. Uh, I, 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 what are you doing down here?" And she looks at him, maybe thinking, "You know, what has he got—a messianic hope or something?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, uh, uh, "You really think I'm an eagle?" And he said, well, you are an eagle. Look at yourself. Look at me. And she says, well, then you're not going to hurt me. And he says, no, of course not. I I wouldn't hurt you. And she said, well, if you step aside then to show that to me, I would be more comfortable. So he just kind of steps to the side. And off she goes into the chicken house. And there she tells all the chickens how she outsmarted the eagle. And they all applaud her and tell her how wonderful she was in tricking that eagle and outsmarting him. We well, see, I truly believe as Choices and Illusions opens that the human condition is gifted with so much potential that we have suffocated off, that we have blinded ourselves to because in our maturation process we have been taught to be chickens and we have forgotten that we are really eagles.
1: Mm. That, is, that, to me, is just a very powerful opener for the story, and you reflect upon it several times throughout the book, because so often we turn to people to ask their opinion and what should we do, and because perhaps they are not eagles and they haven't spread their wings and sword, they keep our wings clipped, not intentionally, but because they're not allowing us to be the stars we were born to be. You talk about the people that are, are that we call them bad luck fortune cookie collectors. And these are people that always have somebody to blame. We have to get rid of that blame and complain if we are to fly with the eagles.
4: That's an absolute, you know, uh... I did some research back in the eighties at the Utah State Prison System, and there we discovered a common denominator among inmates and that That common denominator was their ability to displace responsibility. Ah, but for the grace of God, there go you. Their attitude was the world had acted upon them, they had done what any normal person would do I mean you would do the same thing they had only reacted. Uh, They weren't responsible for their actions because they were just responding. They had the ability to displace responsibility through the mechanism we call blame. Now, there's actually a counterculture, and I call it a counterculture from an anthropological standpoint. Maybe we could say it is the major culture in some areas that are these cookie carriers, as I call them, you know, they're the people that look to collect the bad experiences, and then they, they get together. You know, they you come into work, or they go, go to lunch together, and, and they say, you wouldn't believe what happened to me today. This guy cut me off in traffic. Oh, really, how terrible. But you should have seen what my boss said to me about my project. Oh, that's horrible. But if you'd have been in my house and seen my husband, in other words, they get their esteem. They build their relationships totally, entirely out of this uh, bad cookie. Uh, and it's model, like bad
1: luck. They want to one-up each other of, oh, poor me, what a terrible time I've Absolutely. had.
4: Absolutely. And, and they're going through life. There's a friend of mine that tells it this way, and I love it, because it just just, you know, shows it, illustrates it so well. They're going through life on their escalator of life. And and they're really looking for these things. They expect them to happen, you know. And Here then they some, do and happen. they jump in the oh, air and they grab it and they destiny. throw it in the back of their pack. Wow, now i got a new story to tell. Which is such a context difference between how one who sees life as the cornucopia that it is would see life. So these are people that, unfortunately, life sucks and then you do die.
1: And they have created that. I mean, I know people, I've coached people, and I know that you have because you have inner talk. You've helped so many people that actually have said to me, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And, of course, what do they bring into themselves over and over again? Bad luck because that's what they expect, and actually that's what they want. They really don't want to be happy. They don't want to change their life for the positive. They have made the choice that they're going to suffer and that life is going to suck. I'd like you to talk a little bit about inner talk, Blair, because you have a, a quote, when believing in yourself matters, and to me this means so much because it's so important that we believe in who we are and what we do and the power that we have as individuals. You, have, you share many stories in the book of people who have written to you or have told you how your words and your other books as well as your inner talk have helped them. Could you just, just tell a little bit about... The choices and illusions that have arrived from what you call inner talk.
4: Well, you know, when I looked at myself, of course, the first thing I wanted to do was digress and determine why I had these behaviors that I was not happy with, why I was unhappy. And in that process, I... I quickly realized that the best mirror on what was going on inside my mind, even at a subconscious level, where I couldn't directly look and see, was my stream of consciousness, was my inner talk, that self-talk that, you know, if I said to myself, this year I'm going to make a million dollars, and the voice came back and said, really, what are you going to do, rob a bank, convinced me that, well, I didn't yet have Bill Gates' mindset, did I? So that voice that when I said, it's going to be a beautiful day, I'm going to have a wonderful time, and and I'm going to enjoy my life, the voice that that would mitigate that, that would speak against it, the voice that when somebody cuts me off in 5 o'clock traffic um, and snarls me in anger, as opposed to reminding me that perhaps this person has a real urgency. Maybe there's a small child in the back seat and they're trying to get him to a hospital. Everything in life is in context. If my context frames things in a negative way, and I see that in my inner talk, my self-talk, then I'm going to have one outcome. And the hard data shows, whether you call it a Pygmalion or a self-fulfilling prophecy, that is precisely how we create our own reality. The, the expectation factor is not only attracting to us in some metaphysical sense, but in a pure, practical way, it is skewing the lens by which I see the world and thereby interpret that world. Let me give you a case in point. I want you to think about the saliva in your mouth right now, Cynthia. Okay. I want you to move it around in your mouth. I want you to taste it. I want you to feel it. And I want you to recognize how glad you are that you have it, because without it, you have a dry mouth, and trying to do a radio show with a dry mouth is impossible, It wouldn't
3: work. I wouldn't even be able to speak.
4: Right. So we love it. Now I want you to imagine a shot glass in front of you. You just spit that saliva into that shot glass, and now you're going to drink it. Just knock it right back again. Okay. You did that.
1: Yeah.
4: And that was quite all right with you. Drinking spit didn't cause you to think, now wait a minute.
1: Well, you told me to do it,
4: so I did But the vast majority of people are going to go, ah, ah. The minute the spit is changed from in my mouth, the saliva in my mouth, the spit in a glass that you're asking me to drink, there is a significant context difference, isn't there?
1: Yes, no, I totally get it. And I, I would say that most people would say, no way, I'm not going to okay. do this. So if, if my context sees
4: the saliva in my mouth as opposed to the spit in the glass, what I find in life rewards me much more so than if I see in context the spit in the glass. And that is a choice. But it's not one I'm consciously making because, for whatever reason, it's already an implicit assumption hidden away in my subconscious mind, and I'm not aware of it.
1: So the whole fact is that we have to spend more time on our self-actualization and turning our mindsets around so that we understand the concepts and bring it to the conscious mind because so much is in our unconscious that we're acting on and we're not even aware that we're doing it.
4: That's right. and Indeed, the hard research shows that you will not have a conscious thought that doesn't occur in your unconscious. Okay.
1: Well, you have done, one of the things I found from your book, again, we're talking with best-selling author Eldon Taylor. He has been enchanting us for over 20 years here with all his books and tapes and programs, is Choices and Illusions. Is you have worked in the prison systems as you have uh, you talk about in your book and you've just said, and you've really learned a great amount from these people and how they viewed life and what was conscious about them and and how what they do you know when they actually get out etc. But the bottom line that I took from it is that no matter how we look at it, everything in life is a choice. So we can choose to be happy, we can choose to be sad, and whatever we consciously choose, we will manifest. And so this is why it's really important that we bring things to the forefront and we are conscious as opposed to unconscious. You have to be awake. Is that right, Eldon?
4: No, I would disagree with you. You would? I would disagree with you. Okay, good. You say whatever you would consciously choose, you would manifest. And I would say that a good deal of your choices are unconscious, and you're manifesting that, not what you consciously choose. If if it were as simple as I consciously choose to manifest, everybody would manifest. I would say, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be the greatest public speaker on the planet. I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to start doing it. Or tomorrow I'm going to be Bill Gates. Or tomorrow I'm going to... and And I would just be able to create it. The fact of the matter is, we make choices that are based on maybe A, B, or C, the, the alternatives that have been given us, when indeed there's an entire alphabet. We have been blindsided in our enculturation process to alternatives. We think uh, one and one equals two. And as I show you in the book, that is not always true, a gallon of water them- and a gallon... Yep. Pardon? And,
1: Eldon, we have to, my engineer is telling me that it's time to wrap up, so I want to give out the website because all of this is on your website and you can get involved um, with, with Eldon. You can email as well as find out more about InterTalk. Pick up the book, Choices and Illusions, How Did I Get Where I Am and How Do I Get Where I Want to Be, Eldon Taylor. The website is choicesandillusions.com. Do I have that correctly, Eldon?
4: Oh, absolutely
1: thank you so much for your insights and i'm working on making my unconscious being aware of it so to be the right things in the conscious i love your perceptions here eldon taylor yes and his book choices and illusions you've been listening to cynthia brian on star style be the star you are have a positive living new year every day thanks for joining me
0: Business
7: Bites,
4: here's Cynthia Bryan.
0: Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are Nonprofit Corporation, please visit bethestarur.org. That's bethestarur.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on World Talk Radio Studio A. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seeker,
4: a dreamer, with courage to give. Every special part of you You're an artist, a poet who will never give up So make all your dreams come true Let go of your fears you traveled much too far Show the world your smile Be the star you are Show the whole wide world your smile. Be the lucky star
6: you
0: are. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Radio, the number one source for informative talk on the World Wide Web. World Talk Radio Studio A.
7: Welcome to Civil Arts Radio. I am your host Milton Bowen. This week we're being joined by Mr. Victor. Fisher, the editor of the Mark Twain Project of the Bancroft Library at UC Berkeley on Civil Arts Radio, right after the break.
2: Mary Hart, and this is Empowering America. She was born in Dorchester County, Maryland in 1820, the daughter of slaves and the first in her family born in America. Young Harriet herself was hired as a laborer at the tender age of five. When the plantation owner died, Harriet ran away, hiking through 90 miles of swamps and woodlands to the Mason Dixon line. With the help of contacts along the Underground Railroad, she crossed over to the north and made her way to Philadelphia. She became a master of disguise and slipped back into Maryland to rescue her family. Ultimately, Harriet made 19 trips via the Underground Railroad, freeing more than 300 slaves. During the Civil War, she was a spy for the Union Army. She died in 1913 at the age of 93. But the inspiring story of Harriet Tubman, has lived on in songs, books, and the history of America. Empowering America is sponsored by the Foundation of American Women in Radio and Television and is made possible by the generous support of AT&T, caring for the communities where we live and work.
0: World Talk Radio, the number one source for informative talk on the World Wide Web. World Talk Radio, Studio A. We are...
7: I'm your host, Milton Bowens, and like I said at the top, we're being joined today by Mr. Victor Fisher, who has been the editor at the Mark Twain Project of the Bancroft Library located at UC Berkeley on the campus of UC Berkeley since 1967. I am extremely honored to welcome him to the show. He is not only a guest on the show, but he is a friend and very much admired. I love... Samuel Clemens, uh, more affectionately known as Mark Twain, and I was honored to make Mr. Fisher's acquaintance through the current exhibition, Banned and Recovered, that is running at the African American Museum and Library, and this week, uh, this weekend, Saturday, December 6th, African American Museum and Library is going to be hosting the last live panel discussion involved with banned and recovered and it is the topic of discussion this week will be african-american writers and censorship that's at the african-american museum and library oakland located at the corners of martin luther king and fourteenth in oakland california at three p.m at amlo this weekend so if you're in the northern california area feel free to stop by the african-american museum and library and see the last program of the wonderful exhibition Banned and recovered. I had the pleasure of sitting on a panel discussion with Mr. Victor Fisher. We're going to call him Vic today. Is it okay if we call you Vic, Mr. Fisher? It
4: certainly is. Good to talk to you, Mills.
7: <laughs> Good to talk to you, too. I had the pleasure of, of, of sitting on a panel discussion with Mr. Fisher and about uh, this particular topic of what we're going to discuss today. He has a wealth of knowledge. He is a, a tremendous historian on the writings of Mark Twain.